0: At Eastern Bank, we believe that growing business should also grow the community. That's why we work to give all business owners what they need to take their dreams to the next level. Our dedication to small businesses and communities has inspired us to create the Equity Alliance for Business program and become the number one SBA lender in Massachusetts for 15 years running. We're proud to be here for all businesses, big and small. See the good we can do for you by visiting easternbank.com business. Like. Member FDIC. In late 2007, the remains of a young woman from the Kaska
1: Nation were discovered in the Yukon woods.
0: I always think about, I want to know what really happened.
1: So I travel north to try to understand what happened and who was involved.
0: It's a pretty big risk to come
1: forward with the information that I have. I'm David Ridgen and this is Someone Knows Something Season 8. The Angel Carlic Case. Available now.
2: Welcome to Say More from Boston Globe Opinion. Filling in for Shirley the Young this week, I'm Brian Bergstein, editor of the Globe's Ideas section. I'm back today with another episode in my regular series on artificial intelligence and its effects on all of us. Is AI gonna do more harm than good? I don't think anyone really knows the answer to that question. But my guest today says there's a risk of harm on the immediate horizon that we should be taking more seriously that AI could wreck the 2024 election. Recognize this voice? This is your president speaking. To be clear, that is not actually the voice of President Biden, much as it sounds like him. Because with just three seconds of someone's recorded voice, AI systems can create fake video and audio of the person saying, well, anything. Due to a failure in our polling technology, I am using my executive powers to extend the election period. All Americans will have an extra 48 hours to cast their ballots. God bless you, and God bless America. We got that fake audio clip from Miles Taylor, a national security expert who's been investigating how bad actors can use new AI tools to manipulate voters. You may know Miles even if you don't know his name. In the Trump administration, when he was chief of staff at the Department of Homeland Security, he wrote an anonymous op-ed in The New York Times saying that officials like him were trying to undermine the president's agenda. He said then that his goal was to safeguard the health of our republic. Now, Miles says, he's raising the alarm about AI-generated disinformation in hopes of saving our democracy. Miles Taylor, thank you for joining me on Say More. Hey, Brian, great to be with you. So, Miles, you recently wrote in the Globe's Ideas section that, the quote, the 2024 elections are going to be upended by rampant disinformation generated by A.I. Why are you so sure of that? All of the ingredients that lead up to this
1: explosion of misinformation, disinformation, whatever you want to call it. I mean, for simplicity's sake, I'm just going to call it fake news, right? The explosion of this disingenuous content has been ramping up because social media has allowed us to get more and more connected. Our political climate has got more and more partisan. But the hardest thing in the whole history of fake news, and I mean for hundreds or thousands of years, has been actually creating the content, has been creating the thing that looks authentic when it is not. And that's what AI has just changed. Artificial intelligence and specifically Generative predictive text and those types of programs built out of large language models have made it a lot easier to create something fake that looks like it's real. And you add that into this witch's brew of, again, polarization and intense social media discord, you end up concluding it's not just likely, it's almost a certainty that in elections – this year, we're going to see an explosion of this content. And and Brian, we actually already have in a number of foreign elections. And so we have a little bit of a preview of what
2: this might look like in the United States. So how will it look different from past misinformation campaigns, past fake news? Like what would, what would be really the most different about how we as voters experience it?
1: Well, you know, a, a good example that I like to think about is what happened in 2016 and the quality or frankly lack thereof of russian intervention in our elections so at the time i had been working on capitol hill and was one of the early folks to get briefed by the intelligence community in the obama administration about the russians interfering in the election i later of course went into the trump administration working at dhs and oversaw some of our efforts to try to prevent something like that From happening again. But what stood out to me at the time, and I remember getting briefed on what the Russians were doing, was frankly how immature a lot of their content was. In some cases, it was obvious that a non English speaker was producing these memes and things that were starting to go viral on social media, urging voters to combat one another, undermining confidence in the elections. Some of it was savvy and believable, but it also took based on open source reporting, a whole lot of effort, a lot of people, a lot of time, months of planning, all of that effort that they put into it that still resulted in a shoddy product can now be done by just a couple of people using AI programs, and it's 10
2: times more convincing. Now, you said you've seen this already happen in recent elections in other countries. What, what exactly happened and, and where, and how did it, how did it affect the election?
1: Well, we've seen this in a couple of places now. Uh, In Latin America, there's already been a few elections in the past few months where it's been evident that either or both campaigns for national office have leveraged AI to create advertisements, to say things that were deceptive about the other candidate. And the results are murky about whether there's been an impact with one very glaring exception, which was at the end of last year in Slovenia in national elections, there was what we would call in the American system an October surprise, a sort of last minute controversy involving one of the two major presidential candidates. And the controversy was an audio recording of one of those candidates purportedly talking about efforts to rig the election. Now, in the 48 hours before the vote, this created a lot of consternation, a lot of controversy. Voters went to the polls, and they narrowly elected one of those candidates to lead the country. It turned out after the election that that audio recording was a deepfake. It was not real. It had been likely generated by the opposition, although I don't think that's yet been proven. And a lot of observers believe that. It likely had an impact on the outcome of the election because the candidate that was purported to be rigging the election uh, ended up losing, even though, again, that audio was deep faked. That was the type of example a lot of us have been worried about for the past year. We expected to see things like that happen. We did not expect to see them happen this
2: quickly. So I think it's important to make sure everyone understands that AI won't be doing this itself Who do you think will be using the technology to pull these dirty tricks? So if you have a
1: nefarious actor try to do something like hack a government system or undermine the election, first, it's most important that you attribute who the actor is. So in 2016, it was exposing that the Russians were interfering. But then the next element is consequences. You've got to deliver consequences to deter that bad actor from continuing with its hack or its leak or whatever the nefarious operation is. The problem here is that first part, Brian, I'm not even sure we're going to be able to get to, which is the attribution and figuring out who's disseminating this false information, this fake news in the next election using AI, because these tools are now so widely available. Uh, it could be actors that are tied to the former president, Donald Trump. It could be, you know, supporters of Joe Biden. It could be the Russian government. But at this point, what were previously nation state level capabilities are now available to anyone and so attributing who was the source of a piece of disinformation is going to be exceptionally difficult
2: you know is it possible that there'll be a lot of these tricks pulled on both sides and essentially there'll be fake news personalized disinformation that attempts to bring down trump assuming he's the nominee, or the same tactics used against Biden, and maybe they cancel each other out in some way in terms of affecting the results? I think we are likely to see th- the disinformation
1: come from all sides of the political spectrum. You know, there's n- there's no limit to where this might originate from, but the point you made about personalization is where it gets really alarming to national security officials. There's now the ability to hyper personalize disinformation in a way that would have been so labor intensive before that it couldn't have been done and one of the one of the places that we realized this would become really really consequential is when it comes to those immediate days leading up to the vote when people are trying to figure out where their polling location is or they're planning on taking time off work That's when a nefarious actor has the opportunity to really create an effect. And by an effect, I mean either convince someone to vote for someone else or dissuade them from going to the polls in the first place because that's when they're most vulnerable. I mean, most people aren't thinking about the election until around Election Day when they've got to go somewhere to pull the lever. And using deep fakes and AI technology, it would be a lot easier for someone who intended to sow chaos in the vote to reach out to individual subsets of the population and convey a message to them that might create that effect, like dissuading them from going to the polls. So more specifically, the the policy lab we ran on this, the think tank that I'm associated with, the future US, we ran a scenario with a number of AI technologists about what could happen on election day. And the results were pretty alarming, is it was very, very easy for some of those experts to develop micro-targeted messages to, in this case, made-up voters. But you could imagine a whole slew of, let's call it, uh, older voters who might, in a certain state, skew politically one direction or the other, getting voicemails telling them in the sound of their grandson or uh, a, a daughter or a friend, hey don't go to the polls today. I heard there was violence, or I heard there might be militia members showing up there. You should stay home. There's an old quote that uh, people I'm sure who are listening are familiar with. Winston Churchill is reported to have said, "You know, a lie gets halfway around the world before the truth can get its pants on. What we're talking about here is, is a lie getting all the way around the world, impacting an election, and the truth still laying there naked in bed and it's not even awake yet. I mean, that's the danger that we're facing here is that this can happen so quickly and to such great effect, we won't even know we've been duped uh, when it actually happens and potentially until much later. And that's why we're trying to sound the alarm early here, because there are things that the government can do, that the tech sector can do to inoculate the public to what we expect to be a tsunami
2: of fake news leading into November, 2024. More of my conversation with Miles Taylor after this short break.
0: At Eastern Bank, we believe in good business. That's why we provide clients with a suite of products and services made to take their businesses to the next level. From express business loans to seamless cash management solutions, we make it easy to grow when the time is right. As a trusted, full-service bank and the number one SBA lender in Massachusetts for 15 years running, we understand what you need to keep your business thriving. See the good we can do for you by visiting easternbank.com business. This is what it sounds like. Member FDIC. So let's talk about how we can prepare for
2: this. I mean, you say in your essay in Globe Ideas, uh, which you wrote with Dan Prieto, who had been an Obama administration official. So you're bringing this sort of bipartisan level warning here. You say that we're not prepared as a country to deal with this problem. I want to know what do you think it would look like to be prepared, especially because it would have to be preparation all the way down to the local precincts where elections actually happen. A lot of election workers around the country really don't have a
1: good sense of where the technology is going when it comes to artificial intelligence, and more importantly, how these tools might be leveraged to undermine the security of the election, whether it's the information environment or the actual infrastructure of elections that could be impacted by nefarious actors using artificial intelligence. And so that's one of the things that we call for is, frankly, a very, very... Uh, widespread information campaign to those election workers around the country to prepare them and to make sure that federal departments and agencies who are working with states and localities to get ready for the 2024 election have everything they need to prepare those workers for what they might see. But that actually starts with doing a little bit more red teaming of the threat and better understanding how these technologies could potentially be abused. One of the big things that we are urging when it comes to the 2024 election. I mean, I'm I'm probably too late into the conversation to be saying this, but to be clear, our view is that AI is not the enemy here. The enemy is whoever's undertaking this activity in the first place. and artificial intelligence tools can actually be our best ally in detecting deep fakes and rapidly doing that attribution and potentially taking them down is you know as, as humans we don't have the analytical ability to look at each of these potential fake pieces of content and identify what makes them fake but ai tools can be trained against ai generated content there are commercially available tools out there there are tools being developed by nonprofits to help do that the question is Where do those most need to be deployed? And there's a lot of different entities out there beyond social media companies that may not know that they need to be employing those tools until it's too late. And it's something that greater awareness about can be really helpful. The one thing, Brian, I think that shows how convoluted this has all become is, you know, earlier I I gave you that quote from Winston Churchill about how Uh, A lie gets halfway around the world before the truth gets its pants on. And true story, I'd been using that quote at the opening of all of our presentations about our findings about the threats of misuse of AI. Well, it turns out that was fake news. That quote is actually not from Winston Churchill. I thought so. And someone corrected me in the presentation. But you know what I did is I went to GPT-4 and I asked it, who's really behind that quote? And this is an example of how AI can actually be used for correct information is GPT-4 said, well, there's actually four other people the quote's been misattributed to, but the real uh, originator of the quote is Jonathan Swift in the year 1710, and the quote is actually, falsehood flies and the truth comes limping after it. That's the original quote. So there are ways for AI to actually help correct the deepfakes that are flying around, and and I experienced
2: it firsthand while we were uh, doing this presentation. Do you think social media companies should be policing AI-generated video and audio? I'm less worried
1: about the social media companies and more worried about medium-sized businesses, local governments, and others that might be duped by things that could be easily spotted as deepfakes by tech but not easily spotted as deep fakes by humans. And one of the things I predict will happen, probably not before the 2024 election, but certainly if it's a chaotic election when it comes to disinformation, is I predict a lot of entities in the private sector and local governments and others will probably go out and avail themselves of those tools because they'll have realized the consequences of not having a passive always-on scanning capability to see whether files that they're receiving in their emails or, you know, uh,
2: other things that they're being sent allegedly by members of the public are real or not. Well, I do wonder if there's the long term problem here could actually end up being the opposite. So as people become more aware of this problem, you know, what if people end up actually rarely falling for faked videos and audio because they just decide not to believe anything they see or hear, Uh, you know, even legitimate news? I mean, you know, it's not hard to imagine Trump in near the election saying something truly horrific and swing voters discount it entirely because there's this, well, who knows what you can believe kind of point of view has taken hold.
1: Yeah, it's a real dilemma. If you run a national public awareness campaign about this, whether it's the government or a private entity, who cares who funds it? But if you make sure the American people know The downside to having to do this is that in the long run, do you desensitize people to reality inadvertently? Is that when something true is being said or when there's a real national emergency, do they then react too slowly or too hesitantly because there's so much fakeness out there? That is
2: something I don't think we have an answer to. And it's a big worry for democracy. But... I think we do have a sense that this would seem to play into Trump's hands. I mean, he's he's famous for lying in public, making people question the truth, saying, well, who knows? Or some people say, you know. I mean, do you feel like his political style and the threat of this sort of AI exacerbated mayhem, you know, fit together? They're sort of almost like two sides of the same coin.
1: Well, yes. And not only that, but... In the conversations we've been having, it's clear that on the political right and especially in the MAGA movement, there's a lot more investment happening right now into using AI technologies to rapidly increase the impact of their advertising, their voter targeting. And it would be foolish to expect that we're not going to see folks, especially on the political far right in the MAGA movement, take advantage of these tools to go after political enemies, because that's what their standard bearer has urged them to do. I mean, the, the watchword of Donald Trump's campaign is revenge. And there's been almost no better tool in the modern era to exact revenge than an AI-enabled digital weapon that allows you to attack an adversary without letting them know it was you, and to do it very effectively and deceptively. So I do worry about this being overexploited for nefarious purposes by Trump, his enablers, and his allies.
2: So what we're talking about here involves a lot of elections, all up and down the ballot, all kinds of small races. but. I think for most listeners, you know, the stakes are, seem especially high this year because we're talking about the possible return of Trump. And I just want to ask you because you've seen him in action in the White House and you wrote, you know, your famous anonymous Times op-ed and two books warning about him and his movement. So I'm just curious, in addition to the warnings you are making about AI trickery, what else are you Doing this year to try to stop him. Are you still involved with third-party efforts and so on?
1: Yeah. Well, uh, look, I I think in 2024, it's it would not be hyperbole to say that our democracy is going to be on the ballot. I mean, you know, I'm still a conservative. I still consider myself to be on the right side. Uh, with a lowercase r on the on the right side of the political spectrum, or sorry, an uppercase R, as a, you know, as, a, as a Republican, um, but I think Donald Trump returning to the White House will likely result in the dissolution of the Republic as we know it, and the things that I saw him intend to do in a first term that he didn't do would wreak havoc on the Republic if they were executed in a second term. And we don't have to go in the details. A lot of it's been talked about publicly, but he wants to engage in a full subversion of the justice system, the legislative branch, the checks and balances and oversight functions that hang over the presidency in a way that would, I think, significantly strain, if not irrevocably damage the United States Constitution. So we're really talking about something that's existential. To that end, uh, you know, as someone who has sort of been pushed out of the Republican Party because there's no home for people who are anti-MAGA, I've looked at the opportunities out there, whether there's a third party alternative that can help us. My worry this election cycle is I do think third parties would play spoiler in this election. And so there's conversations among a number of different groups about running third party presidential candidates. Most of the scenarios I've seen so far result in a re-election of Donald Trump if a third party candidate runs. They tend to, in the polls, look like they take away votes from Joe Biden. Now I'm all for political competition, new parties, new factions. I want to see the American political system thrive in this century, but I could not think of a worse election right now uh, than this one for a third party candidate to emerge. Now, I'll add an asterisk to that, Brian, because I think there's a chance that there's someone out there, I don't know who it is, that could unify enough voters uh, that would, you know, get an independent president into the White House for the first time since George Washington. But that fantasy scenario has not yet been sketched out for me of who that political savior could be. So at the moment, I'm anticipating a Biden versus Trump election and one where I hope conservatives like me are going to end up throwing their weight behind someone of different political stripes than them, uh, a Joe Biden to, uh, you know, try to preserve the republic. And I disagree with Biden on a lot of issues, but I think our, our democracy is more important right now than than my specific political opinion.
2: All right, Miles Taylor is co founder of The Future US and was the chief of staff of the Department of Homeland Security during the Trump administration. His latest book is called Blowback A Warning to Save Democracy from the Next Trump. Miles, thank you for joining me on Say More. Great, thanks, Brian. Say More is a production of the Boston Globe. Today's episode was produced by Anna Kussmer with help from Scott Hellman. Our editor is Jim Dow. Our engineer is Uzair Ahmed. Our music is from APM Music. If you like the show, please follow us and leave a review on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. Email us at saymore@globe.com. At I'm Brian Bergstein. Thanks for listening.